So welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to treasurers about how they built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. Now, in this week's show, I'm joined again by Jan Kohan, the head of treasury operations at Autoneum in Winterthur. He can explain a bit more about the group, but they are a global leader in acoustic and thermal management for vehicles, basically. But he can explain a lot about that, but they're actually headquartered in Switzerland and everything else now. You might not know this, in 127 plus episodes, we never had this happen before. We, Yanko and I, we've already done one episode and we got to the end and it hadn't recorded. And he has very kindly agreed to come back on the show, hasn't held it against me, or we'll see later on. And he's very kindly agreed to yeah, go back through his background. We had some great points. We talked about it. We, Yanko really believes in systematization, about education for people. So really deep dive in some of those topics. But as always, Yanko, it's it's literally your your story. Can you perhaps take us back to the beginning of your career and how you first discovered finance and then got into treasury? So over to you, sir. Yeah, many thanks, Mike. I'm happy to do so. Originally, I studied economics in Augsburg, which is not so far away from Munich in Germany. Afterwards, I was looking indeed for a, for a job in, in, in finance. And it was more the classical areas. Controlling was something I had in mind. My wife, she's from the border to Switzerland. And so I said, OK, let's let's go there and see if we can find something. She said, I will never stay in a city like Munich. And I said, I will never leave a city like Munich. But obviously, <laughs> she was she was winning, right? She's in charge. And then, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> already at this point of time, it looks like, yeah. Yes. And then we moved to um, the border here, to the to the Lake Constance area. And I was indeed um, finding then a job offer at Timmerland, Timmerland, Switzerland. Yeah. That was the, the Yellow Boot company as a cash manager. And that was something where, for me, something new started because I honestly never heard during my studies of treasury. It was still a niche. And so, yeah, that was where, where everything started. And after some years of development, in Timberland. I moved in on in 2010. Mate, Yanka, before we move on, again, for some of the listeners, they'll want to know, they've heard of Timberland, they've seen it as a chain maybe and things like that, retail and everything else. What was it like there? What was the sort of treasury? So you started there in 2005, so crumbs. Yeah, sort of 15 years ago. What was the treasury set up there like? You know, was it was it quite a system? Was it quite advanced? What was the sort of the background with the, the team there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was, I mean, Timberland was, I have to say, because it was acquired some years ago by a different company. It was a US uh, headquartered company close to uh, somewhere Philadelphia area, Boston. It was indeed only an outpost. Right. So, so I mean, I learned all the, the, the basic topics from, from in and around Treasury, so that was good. It was a limited responsibility at, at some point of time and limited responsibility, not in the, in the meaning of level of things to be done or taken care of, but you, you know, the, the full corporate finance topics have been done in the US. Right. We didn't have a TMS, we worked on Excel. These aspects brought some, some limitations. So yeah, that was a very basic treasury setup, I would say. Also, decisions to be made on, on cash flow hedging program, which was interesting and, and very relevant, we, we learned about. But we, we didn't have rule-based decisions at this point in time. It was more a feeling or a decision of the CFO to take the one or the other direction in, in the cash flow hedging program. So 
yeah, it was it was different for sure, but very good to 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 get started and to get uh, the first insights into treasury. I understand that. And obviously, as you say, sort of it was a basic treasury setup, this Excel. Did that then give you a, when you were starting to look round at that stage, were you thinking, do you know what, when I go to my next role, I really want to embrace technology. And that's a key thing about, you know, because I know that's a big thing for you and straight through processing and trying to automate a lot of things. Was that that where it was born or was that just a more fundamental thing for you? No, and that that uh, the technology aspect really came more into the game uh, when I was a few one or two years then with my with our next company, yep. which was Autoneum, and we had this uh, decision about uh, the ERP slash TMS project. That was more when my technology, you know, uh, link started to to play a more important role. Not, but at, at this point of time, it was an opportunity. As my my previous boss, who hired me in two thousand five, left in two thousand eight, and had a nice opportunity in the company then in two thousand ten, mm. and so that was the the point of time when. I I had the chance to move on as a treasury manager. Okay. Can you just explain for people the, the group and things like that? What did the group do? You know, I give a, a very brief outline, but, you know, over to you. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, first of all, it was an interesting situation. I moved in 2010 to the company called Rieta. It's a Swiss traditional company uh, headquartered in Winterthur, not far away from Zurich. And at this point of time, automotive was one of the two divisions. One was textile, one was automotive. And a year later, we had a separation, a spin-off where the division automotive became independent and stock listed at the Swiss stock exchange as Autoneum, which is the name of the company still today. So that was interesting. I started in a new role, but had then the opportunity to see something really seldom, I would say, something which does not occur so much, a separation, a spin-off of one, one of half of the company, so to say. And that was very interesting. You had to, you know, duplicate the treasury, rebuild it, rethink it. And yeah, so automotive uh, was was the sector, and Autoneum today it's a it's a globally active tier one automotive supplier. We are producing heat and noise insulation products for all big companies. You know, from Ford to BMW to Toyota, Honda, all those are customers, and we are represented in more than twenty five countries from South America to to Asia. And when you say about the duplication, just sorry, just to step back onto that, mm-hmm. a lot of the times when there is a separation duplication, they say, right, you must adopt different systems. You must, if we're on this treasure management system, you must have a different one. Was that the case or could you just replicate? At this point of time, the treasure system we had at Rieta was also very much outdated. It was a TMS, it was from Tito and Nata, but it was really time for something new. Nevertheless, right. at this point of time, we just duplicated and replicated everything we had because we said, anyway, we need to rethink the system we have. And that's what happened then in 2012. So the situation in 2010, 20, beginning of 2011 was really to, to work with the existing systems, and then and then copy and from from after the separation onwards we had then the chance to rethink to redesign to improve and to finally move to SAP as our new system landscape so to say and how come you chose SAP or drifted towards that because i know that you know SAP many years ago recruited for Colgate and they were one of the only people in Switzerland to have SAP as a treasury system and it was sort of quite challenging to get a lot of the treasury stuff because it was more accounting focused. I know that seems to have changed in recent years. Was that the case with you guys? Or, you know, was there quite a lot of customization, tailoring, or how, how did you get on with it? Mm-hmm. So the initial start for this was that the board of directors of Autoneum decided that we need to do a process re-engineering project. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? We produce in, in many countries the same parts, the same products, the same things. But we did 
everything in different ways. Spain did different task processes than, than France and China did it differently than Spain. And that was very inefficient. And automotive is a high cost pressure industry, mm. as, as you know. And so that was something where we, we, we needed to improve. And SAP, that was chosen as the instrument to make this happen. Standardization by going for a new ERP. At this point of time, we had started to evaluate a new TMS. We had a look at, you know, Berlin and IT2 and whatever you have in the market. And we came then to the conclusion that having this SAP as ERP, then it makes absolutely sense to also move to SAP as TMS. Because as if every legal unit is on the same system and on the same system version, then you have a lot of benefits of integration and you don't need to think in interfaces that much. We have all data accessible, you can drill down and so on and so on. So to cut it short, that was the point of time when we had to move also to SAP here. I just can say at this point of time, it was already more a treasury system already from my point of view, which is why we have chosen it. Of course, graphically user friendliness is different. Yeah, That's of course a big advantage of these standalone tools. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, if, you, if you're a bit flexible and you say, okay, I create some nice reports then in, in an BI tool or so, then it's, re- it's really good. And anyway, it's a really good tool, right? Yeah. But it's in, in the way of handling or user friendliness in, in graphical layouts, design, reports, that's of course something where you would need to invest heavily if you want something here. But if you can live very much with standards, that's absolutely doable with not a too high investment, I would say. And you, you've talked a lot. I know, I know that you know we meet a lot of the time at different conferences and various other things. And one of the things that you really you really push forward with is this centralized concept and everything else. And uh, and it works for you guys. Again, from the listeners today, if they're listening in and thinking, oh, actually, that sounds like something we should do. What sort of what way would you tell them to approach it? What would be on your checklist or what was on your checklist that you think you need to repeat, as it were? Perfect. So phase one was really to see what we have as requirements. And that was what we had in the system so far. The usual aspects, modules, cash management, hedging, risk analysis, and so on. So the collection of modules you would like to have was was pretty easy. What we did in advance, and that was a good decision, was we also licensed the in-house cash module, which we already knew at this point of time can only be a stage two or stage three, having an in-house cash solution in place. And for sure, at this point of time, 2012, we have been far away from this. So we did an analysis, what does the tool need to have? Where do we see the, the must-haves on the list? We did a kind of, an, you know, IFQ before with other tools. And then we just said, okay, let's discuss now more in detail when the decision was done with SAP, how we can map it best. I think one key success factor was to find the right implementation partner. So this is something everyone thinking about ERP, TMS implementation is to have a good implementation partner. Mm. And we have been lucky. There's a big market in SAP. There are many bright guys, of course, but Mm. there are also many perhaps parties which are not really so successful or or advanced in Mm. in knowledge. Mm. And we found luckily a very good one. So looking for the requirements, make sure you have everything covered and then look for a good implementation partner and And make sure you have the right persons informed the stakeholders internally so that you get the support for your treasury rollouts as you need. How did you health check that partner? What I mean by that is I was given the chance and I spoke at Eurofinance a number of years ago and we were talking about the elements of effective team management and and positive things. I'm usually the opposite end. I see people ineffectively managing teams. I spoke to Jean-Philippe Dewella at Johnson Controls and I got some great ideas from him. And one of the key ones was just as you've 
talked about there was having an implementation partner, but also with systems as well was about, we talked about reference, you know, if you reference a new member of staff, you deep dive into their background, you find out everything about them. With a treasury system or with a someone bringing in, you know, you just go, yeah, that's great. Or, you know, how did you health check them? Again, this is to give some tips to the people listening today. They go, oh, hang on, we, we've got that coming up. I wonder what Yanko did. And that, you know, again, it's a tip sheet for those guys, because that's what I want to make sure that we, you're giving amazing value. So you know, how yeah. did you sort of make sure they were the right ones? Yeah, very important for us was to ask him, uh, the partner for references. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we for, for known references in Switzerland or Germany, and we, we spoke to a few of them and that gave us uh, most part of the confidence. And then, of course, we sat together and, and asked a bit more detail, um, how, how do you approach such a process or such, such a project of implementation? What are your key focus areas? Where do you see your limitations? What are aspects you can't do? The openness coming from these, from this team, the the honest communication, or where you where you heard not only nice marketing stuff, but yeah. also additional insights, additional comments out out of the normal box. I would say that that was giving me then the sufficient confidence where I said, okay, let's let's try to to push through this partner right, yeah. for the for the implementation. Yeah. And then we just talked about the two stage journey. Then moving on to stage two, what was it like after then? Yeah, that was then the last few years rolling out mm. the ERP. And with this, uh, we did our treasury part uh, around the globe. So uh, in January, we have the last go live. Then our project is, is finished from ERP side and, and from treasury side. In this project, phase two, I would say we focused on standardization, harmonization of payment processes. We implemented a payment factory with the service bureau, Swift and EBIX service bureau. And so we went for, you know, reducing of banks, focusing on core banks, standardization, the payment formats or everything today is already XML. We don't have US formats or such stuff anymore. End-to-end integration for payments, statements, payment confirmations. I I would say that was biggest part over the last years. Hmm. You're not just a technical guy. You are very strong in your technical stuff and everything else, but you've got this, you know, you've got a team and you work with very well with people and everything else. Talk us through, if you would, you know, the team and, you know, what you're like as a boss and things. Like, obviously, you're going to say you're a brilliant boss. We know this, but, but joking aside, you know, what sort of your, what's your philosophy as it were? Yeah. So the, the, the team at Autonium, that's now 2.4 FTEs. Mm-hmm. That's not much, but because we only have 0.4 FTEs more than we had in 2010, so to say, mm. when I when I started. And the company was a lot growing since then and is a much different company and much more active in difficult markets like Mexico or also in China than it was um, 10 years ago. I would say, indeed, we have a good team. It's a good corporation. And I think the most important success factor perhaps was this more to say, I'm not sure if laissez-faire is the right word, but perhaps it fits mm. that you say you 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 know you you realize that you have a good atmosphere, you have trust. When you have trust, you can say, okay, let's design the targets for the coming year or the coming years together. Make sure, of course, the CFO supports them, and then you know let people go, give direction and to the target, and then let them go. And if they feel the trust and the confidence. 
and the freedom to work in their own directions, in their own speed, on own priorities, then I, I would say these aspects are a big factor for success. Mm. So giving them freedom to act independently, showing them perhaps the targets or the way, but then l let them go and get the things done in, in, in their style. I want to come back to the people aspects in a minute because I think that's very interesting and we'll talk about education because I know that's a big passion of yours and qualifications and getting people up the scale as it were but just before we do that I wanted to pick up on something you mentioned there obviously you then systems you wrote out globally you've got more challenging you know you're a very globally focused group despite as you say having a small small team and things how have you dealt with you know the challenges of you know different markets because you you deal on a global basis, you know, so you've got Asia Pacific, you've got South Americas, you've got things like that, you know, what, what's that like, if you would? Luckily, this is an easy point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when I joined the company in 2010, so to say, we had the big crisis from 07, 08, 09 behind us. That was also true for the division automotive, which was now Autoneum. Everyone in the organization or in the finance organization knew already at this point of time that a good relationship with Treasury is important and that Treasury needs to understand the needs of the legal units and that the Treasury is cooperative and supportive if communication is honest and transparent and clear about needs, reasons and requirements for special needs. And I just can say that since then, we never had perhaps one or two exceptions. I mean, it's always not only it's not only targets or topics or money, it's, it's also atmosphere and chemi chemistry. And of course, you, you have always cases where chemistry is just not working. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so I can say that in 95% of the cases where we have our stakeholders in the, C, in the finance teams and the legal units, it's, it's working very good. They understand us. We support them. They know they get the cash from us. We know they are, you know, precise with the outlooks as far as they can. They are precise and honest with the requirements, with the reasoning. And yeah, it's it's a good atmosphere. It's a good cooperation in finance, I can say. Brilliant. Great answer, as it were. We just, you know, go, let's go into that people aspect. Again, it's quite weird for me because this is like, uh, it's like I'm, I'm sitting here and thinking, you know, I've already asked you this question. I haven't. I have asked you before. We've, we've already gone through. It's a great rehearsal doing a full podcast and then... You've very kindly agreeing to be on a second one. I'm like, yeah, I've asked Yanko this. Hang on. <laughs> but, you know, let's deep dive on that on the people aspect because you're passionate about that and, and also about coaching people and learning. Could you explain how you've, you know, taken that to the next level really with, you know, the qualification and some of the other bits? Because I thought that was really interesting for us to s discuss. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I think one very important aspect, just because it's important for me, and I think it's the same importance for the team, is to make sure they have the education they need. It means you shouldn't stop at the cash management education level if you if you are in a treasury manager role or whatever the, the title is. I mean, that's not the relevant point. But you need to make sure they have the the information, the knowledge, the capabilities they need to to be not just making their job, but to thinking ahead, thinking outside the box, doing the next step, coming with new ideas, coming with better ideas. And, and so education, I think, or, you know, it's, it could be in participation in conferences because I think this is very important to network and mm. to exchange with peers and, and other aspects is in, in, in the trainings. And, and what I realized together around four or five years ago with a colleague who was also, who's also a treasurer was that we are missing, we, the two of us, we are missing education in the area of tax or legal aspects in treasury and around treasury, like transfer pricing aspects, company law and, and such 
aspects because you realize, and I think that's so fascinating about treasury. Treasury is not an island. You you, you have to do with everything. You, you mm. need to know a bit about tax. You need to know a bit about legal. You need to know a bit about controlling and so on and so on. So treasurer is not only a treasurer. He's really having multiple aspects in, 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 in the in the capabilities. So that's a requirement to have. And so we went to the EFZ in Zug. That's part of the Hochschule Luzern here in Switzerland and, and told them that we said, hey, you are doing the education as a Swiss certified treasurer. Like mm. you have the VDT in Germany doing something like this or mm. you have, mm. now you have Schwabelike Reiner doing treasury educations. And and so we said, why, why don't you do a, a, a shorter course at lower budget with more specific qualifications in, in, in regards to treasury and uh, to, to tax and legal aspects around treasury. And then they liked this idea. And after some discussions, a half year later, so it was really decided that they want to do this. And so this year, actually, just some, some days ago, the fourth course, four years, we had this course now with between 12 and I think 18 participants or so was, was completed successfully again. And and I think that's that's a nice track record because they also say, well, not every practice course we offer is always taking place because there are not sufficient registrations, you know, to make it happen. And mm. now this course was successful for four years. So obviously we had around, I don't know, between 50 and, and 60 or so or 70 participants who enjoy to develop new facilities and aspects and and. Uh, insights, so to say, about uh, different aspects of and around treasury, and I think that's 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 great, you know. And how long does the course? You know, you, you talked about transfer pricing coming the specific areas. How long does the course take? And you know, is it over a number of months, or is it short, sharp, or what, what's the what's the background mm-hmm. to it? Yeah, it, it is mainly a course which takes could be could be done in, in three four days. I think we, okay. we did it, of course, digital this year, split among time horizon of three or four weeks, and taking then a full day. You know, having Speakers from EY or KPMG, having lawyers speaking, having tax experts speaking, and also some, uh, you know, best practice. Mm sessions where then, you know, so we had some companies telling about their transfer pricing system for cash pooling. This year, I was talking about API technology and how it could benefit at Autoneum so that you also have treasury aspects which coming no more into the game, digital, digitalization, not only tax and legal, but also what's next in treasury, so to say. Yeah. Before we do the what's next in treasury, because that's something that's good lead in, but just you talked there about, and, and this is it's fabulous, because what you're doing is, as you mentioned, there you wanted it closer to the business you don't want to treasury to be an island and i've got to say when i first started in treasury treasury became ivory towered you know that was a key thing a lot of treasurers were like oh great if i'm this specialist area this is great i can get a pay rise and i can be this specialist treasury person the the con of that that was the pro you got more money and everything else the con was you were separate from the business and and actually didn't get involved and i think i've seen treasury kicking and screaming for the past 20 years to get back to that bit where you know wants to be involved in the business and it sounds like this qualification is certainly a part of that how else do you make sure that you're really close to your business or is that just part of the audience way sort of thing or you know is that right and that's something i always for me 10 years i mean 10 years 15 years now mm. for me it was always like that in treasury you are automatically involved in things going on in the business new legal units founded in new countries new markets opened potentially acquisitions taken place Treasury is always involved because you need to think about money or the forecast or liquidity or banks or relationships or treasury systems or ERP systems, which then has some linkage to treasury. So now I think we have in, in treasury, you are not so far away from the business if 
treasury has the right place in the organization. Nevertheless, of course, even for me, I mean, when I go to our showroom, I know what to say about the showroom to, to the people coming from the banks or so. But on the other hand side, if I, I'm able to join a session where, again, our product specialists talk about the products, I always say, oh, gosh, I didn't even know. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, staying close to the business is not so easy. That's that's true. And I realize sometimes how far we are still away from, from operations, which is why whenever we have, you know, something to do in a certain legal unit, visiting US, visiting China or Spain or UK, I always insist on also having the chance to do a plan tour and to learn more about our situation in this in this country and how mm. production is done, you know. So you get to know it as well. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about the future, I want to split this in two, actually. I think, we, you know, because I'd like to cover a bit of the fintech and, you know, that's obviously a big thing that you're very much involved in. But you also mentioned there about with a peer within Treasury of networking, virtual versus the real world. I, I wanted to come back into that. But if we just look at the future of where you see Treasury and whether maybe that is the fintech world, we just explore that briefly. What are you seeing coming down the line? Because a lot of treasurers, they're used as the front man by the CFO, say, look, can you go and do that, Yank? Can you check that out for me? Is that what you're finding or what are the things that you're finding are coming at you and on email every day? So for us, I think in, in at Autonium to, to talk about a level three now, you know, we had level one and two. Level three for us is really to implement the in-house bank module of, of SAP and go for a payment on behalf, collection on behalf landscape mm -hmm. to further, you know, reduce bank relationships, bank accounts, standardize more, automate more. That in regards to the near-term future, so to say. But of course, there are new technologies getting more and more important. And that's for me a bit, treasury is small. It's a niche then of course you have always budget constraints and you you know doing a big rollout of s for hana now the new sap technology that mm. will take some while we have cost pressure here we can't do it immediately and and so i always try to see to ask my questions to ask me and, and the team what can we do better what is not mm. going good in treasury at autoneum what can we change what can we improve where do we lose time and the answers to this then are driving where we should go perhaps in future and uh, digital or uh, digitalization or innovations like apis open banking cooperation with fintechs these are then indeed aspects which might help in the one company not in the other one, which might help in the one aspect of treasury, perhaps not in the other one. But there are for sure some uh, a lot of potentials. And at least I, I think with asking the question, what is not going good? What should we do different or better? Leads to the question, yeah, how can we do it better? And mm -hmm. then you are at the point of time where you look out for new solutions, new technologies to support you. I'm just, I was looking around, making sure we weren't on webcam then, because I've actually just written here straight through processing, open banking, the future of that. And you, you were stealing my ideas. Hang on, I was coming back. Yeah. <laughs> but, but on that, where do you then see? Because this brave new world, this future of banking or financial systems and landscape, it's obviously changing massively. And, and you know, banking. 15 years ago was one thing, you know, it was all about relationships and the bank would take this over and da, da, da. Is it now that you're seeing that, you you know, you've got access to the open banking tools that you guys will utilize them much more to reduce your reliance on the banks and things like that? Is that the way it's going or, you know, are you using them as your sort of your partners with that? What are you finding? What, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think if we talk about, take an example like the APIs, with APIs, yeah. you have just faster access to instant, to real-time data. Mm. For us, that is something which our current ERP or TMS cannot handle in the way we have it installed now. The future might, but so I'm looking 
or solutions to build small in a small way around my my big um, oil tanker SAP, which gives me in the short term short term some some additional insights in the company in the, in the numbers in in financials and so on. So these are some aspects where I just see you know near term benefits. I, I still see the cooperation with our banks very important. We are on a net debt position, and that's typical for automotive. I would say automotive supplies, so no surprise. And and so the good cooperation with the bank is still important. But perhaps access to data might be easier and faster if you can use technologies like like open banking and APIs. And in regards getting having less need of banks, well, interesting is there's there are some fintechs, and and one of the fintechs we are talking today are thinking about peer to peer lending. And peer to corporate to corporate lending is something which you know was always uh, was was in discussions before. It's not not yeah. that new, but yeah. the company now obviously is closer to develop a solution which might work because today, you know, we have the board of directors where we have two anchor shareholders and they are having also a big stake in a different company here, not far away from us. Nevertheless, if if I would ask him to lend me fifty million dollars for two years, he would say, "Yanko, no, that that I can't do." Mm. And and so the future might be that we perhaps can open additional sources of funding with having a working structure of peer-to-peer lending. That, of course, could help us to reduce a bit the dependency on banks and um, put more cost pressure on the banks, improve mm. pricing, but it wouldn't make banks obsolete from my no, point of view. No, yeah. no, 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 yeah. talking so, that as well. so that's that's something I, I hear from time to time, but I don't see this coming into the no, game. It's, it's, you know, I had the same with IT, you know, will, will robots replace treasurers? No, of course they won't, you know, because yeah. they still need to be operated and, and, and everything else. You hear it as well, don't you? Absolutely. And robotics, I mean, just to, to follow this mm. example from you, is exactly in point where we say in Treasury, we had a look at where we can we do things autom- more automated, yeah. RPA way. And and so far, we identified one topic where we can do, you know, some some FX deals for one of our winter to headquarter companies where you don't need to think, you just need to take the account balance. Is it Delta? Is there a Delta to zero? And then you buy or sell exactly the Delta. So that's an easy one. But if we look for more cases, it's hard to find in Treasury because you don't have monotonous, repetitive, mm. non-way of thinking tasks in Treasury, or not many. Yeah, and so I, I have say no, uh, robotics, there's a potential to support some of the f- functions or tasks in Treasury. There's no fear at all to say Treasury might be replaced by robots. No. I fully agree to your statement. Yeah, and actually, we I've done a short video on this as well, and we'll put that in the show notes where I say, you know, will robots replace treasurers? And then I explain why it won't, because I've taken, you know, advice from great treasurers like yourself who, you know, have reiterated what I knew anyway, but, you know, it, it's about leveraging technology, not replacing Yes, case. absolutely. Leveraging technology to to create additional benefits yeah. for your for your treasury. Yeah. And 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 as mentioned, I mean, perhaps we see some potential to reduce some time uh, we spend on monotonous work. But then we can finally use this time to think ahead, think outside the box again, and say, "Hey, we need to we need to do this or we need to do that to make treasury more professional and more mm. beneficial for the CFO." And let's just just before we wrap up today's show, and we'll we'll do the usual bit where we ask you your top tips for people and we're putting the LinkedIn details in the show notes, but we're not quite there yet. What I wanted to ask you before that is, 
about people you know you're very people oriented you know we've met a number of times and you know over the, you know a couple of drinks and a couple of beers have been imbibed you know this is a good thing when you're in the people aspect when you're networking but also when you're looking at you know people for yourselves and stuff like that you know you mentioned about the networking and this year 2020 has been the year of virtual networking yeah it's boring we want to actually meet each other we want to shake each other's hand and then use some sanitizer if they force us to and things like that but you know what do you benefits because i know you're a big networker you you like to you know get involved with lots of different people what what do you get from that would you say that's also when you hire people, when you look for people, it's not so much the qualifications at this point of time. So SAP is not a must. Of course, it's nice to have. But more important is that they have a, it's a team player you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people need to have a us and a team and not a me way of thinking. It's the personality which needs to fit. And that's what I mentioned before with the chemistry. You know, yeah. with with, all, with almost all of our CFOs in the legal units, it's a... It's an easy way to work, to speak to, to chat with. You know, it's like you, you hit, you have spoken to the other one just yesterday, but it was five months ago. Such an atmosphere is 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 nice, and and if people are looking for, you know, uh, the the goal of the team and of the group to improve, and not individual individual players just thinking about their own success. So I think that's key. And yeah, of course, networking, I think for me is very important to, you know, also see what others are doing and, and permanently also to check what can I do better? You know, what can we do better and benefit from from from, from these exchanges with, with others? And that's actually very reflective of, I'm trying to remember who it was. So I'll try and look it up. But one of our re- recent podcasts, I don't know if it's actually out there, um, one of one of the treasures I was talking to is very much we talked about having an us mindset, not a, a me mindset. Yeah, yeah. And that was exactly as you said. It's it's more thinking around the the problem and thinking as a group sort of thing, which I think is brilliant actually. So we're approaching the end of today's show. It's as I said before, I'm ever so grateful for Yanko agreeing. Another hour of his poor time wasted on me, but oh, you listeners on. out there, you lucky people. <laughs> Get to see us again. You've been an absolute superstar. But what, what, you know, we'll put your LinkedIn details in the show notes so people can connect to you. And you definitely should. He's a great person having your network. But what other tips would you give to people listening today? And sometimes we sort of give them in levels, you know, so you can be on that basis. So maybe the junior guys think about what they should do or mid level or senior guys listening, war stories and things. What are the top things you would say for, you know, Treasury going forward? Yeah, I think there's one question always in the middle of a few questions around the same question. What can we do better? What's next? From which technology can we benefit? Where can we improve? Are we still doing it right? You know, it's 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 just these questions where you permanently challenge yourself to make sure you don't have blind spots. I mean, you always have blind spots, but that you realize your blind spots and, and, and try to improve. And with this mindset to say, okay, I think a good success achieved something, I did something, but but never stop there and, and always say, okay, what's next? What what can we do now? Where, where do we see, where is the CFO missing help? Where can we do better? Where can we be proactive? What questions are always coming to us? And we always are taking a lot of time to answer them. These 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 kind of que- mindset, or, and, and I think that's true for me. That was true for me when I was a cash manager. I think that's, that's core, that you never stop to be interested and keen on learning more and seeing more and trying to improve great words you know as as we say sort of and then looking to have a 
Well, the curious stroke future mindset. I think that's that's the way I would summarise that. I think it's absolutely brilliant. So, Yanko, thank you for your time, sir. Very grateful. And yeah, look forward to, again, in the real world next year, hopefully, actually hopefully. seeing you once again and having that real thing. It'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Mike. And it, it felt like we had such a discussion just a few days ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And uh, yeah. Yeah, very weird, but absolute superstar. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you, Mike. And yeah, all the best for everyone. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.